So how many people here have heard of coronavirus? <laughs> there may be somewhere in the desert a hermit who has had no contact with the outside world who has never heard of coronavirus. There may be some as yet undiscovered tribe in the Amazon jungle who have never heard of it or an alien on Mars. But the rest of us, we can't avoid it, can we? It's everywhere. News bulletins, newspapers, everybody's talking about it. Coronavirus is here. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. That much, apparently, is certain. So how should we, as Christians, respond? What is the response of the church? What's the right way to address this, to think about it? There's no easy answer. But I want to suggest four ways that we can respond to the coronavirus crisis. And the first one is this. Don't be ill-informed. Don't be ill-informed. Now let's admit it. Christians can be prone to overreaction, underreaction and extreme views. It just seems to be hardwired into us. So you hear people saying things like, oh, it's, it's, it's all overhyped. It's nothing. We don't need to worry about it. More people die from flu. Oh, it's all, you know, it's just the media. It's the media that are stoking it up. We don't need to worry. It never happened to us. And anyway, God will protect us. We're Christians, aren't we? God will never let any harm come to us. And then on the other hand, you've got certain other people, and uh, it, I have to say it tends to be Americans, um, it's the end of the world. It's doom and gloom. It's the apocalypse. It's what was portrayed in the book of Revelation. It's all coming true now. We're doomed, I tell you, we're doomed. Like Fraser from Dad's Army. Now, I exaggerate to make the point. I hope we're somewhere in the middle of those two views. We are called to be Jesus' hands and feet on the earth to be among those who offer care and help and answers not be those adding to the problem and how do we become an army of answer bringers solution bringers well first of all by being educated by being informed by absorbing every news source we can find watching reading listening asking and doing our homework. And then we can understand why these seemingly bizarre measures are being taken in our church. You've all received, uh, that's a, a yellow one from St. Peter's, one of these sheets this morning with an updated list of things that we are doing at the moment. And I want you to try and understand why we're doing this because it's very easy to look at this and think, well, this isn't going to make any difference. You know, what, what, what's the point of all this? The point of all this is to try to keep our churches open. To try to create the kind of environment where we can actually continue our worship together. And to try and control and mitigate the spread so that our healthcare system, when the time comes and there's a spike in the coronavirus epidemic, which we are told is coming, they can cope with those who are genuinely ill and in need. So 
So we need to walk in wisdom, not ignorance, to be informed. That means not sharing or liking incorrect information on social media, not panic buying, <laughs> or maybe you've already done it, I don't know. If you've got any spare toilet rolls, bring them here. We can use them. Don't hoard. Don't sell snake oil potions in the name of Jesus. And above all, stay calm. Because God really is in control. So don't be ill-informed. Secondly, don't be fearful. There's a lot of fear around at the moment. There are people who have not come here today to church because of fear. Now fear is a survival instinct that is hardwired into us as humans. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because fear is one of the things that's helped humans survive on this planet. And in today's climate, fear should drive us to wash our hands, not share communion cups and do without our cup of coffee after the service. On the other hand, for us as Christians, a paralyzing fear is not just a bad thing, it's actually a sin, according to the Bible. When we allow ourselves to be gripped by fear, it cuts us off from the living God. All we can think about is the worry, the anxiety and the unknowns that tomorrow might bring instead of focusing on the fact that God is with us right now, today. In other words, we make an idol of coronavirus. And if we bow down and worship the idol of coronavirus, we are not and cannot be at the same time bowing down and worshipping the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So we need to get rid of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love and a sound mind. Thirdly, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Now, I've had a few people say to me over recent days, and, uh, and I've seen it you know, on social media as well, something along the lines of, well, we're Christians... God will protect us. I even had uh, that from my mother-in-law. <laughs> Sandy's mum, she's about 80. And she, oh, I'm not worried about coronavirus. You know, I'm a Christian. God will protect me. Well, how do we respond to that? To all the families of all the people that have died. Quite a few of whom were Christians. And don't forget... One of the key affected countries so far, you've seen it on your TV screens, has been Italy. Italy is a much more religious country than our own country. I don't know what proportion of the over a thousand people that have died in Italy so far were Christians. Let's say a couple of hundred, just to pluck a figure out, wouldn't be unreasonable to think that. Did none of them have faith? Did God not listen to their prayers? It's a bit more complicated, isn't it? than just saying, have faith. Yes, have faith, but also practice good hygiene and some common sense. And taking the decision to cancel after-service coffee 
isn't lack of faith. It's care. It's care for the vulnerable, the elderly, those who are most in harm's way. And I think that is a fully Christian, fully gospel-centric, caring, compassionate course of action. I was uh, reminded the other day of a book, and I had a copy of it. I can't find it on my shelf. I think I must have lent it out and never got it back. It often happens. And I was going to wave it in front of you. It's a super book. I read quite a few years ago when I was doing my master's. Um, the Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark. It's the story of the early church. Not the early church in the, in the, in the uh, epistles, but after. The sort of next 50 years. And it's all about how the early church grew and flourished in a culture of persecution, opposition, and towards the end of the first century, plague in Rome. And he quotes the first century bishop, Dionysius, as writing this. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this world, serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the plague, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbours and cheerfully accepting it. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their place. I'm not sure I'd go that far. I've got to be honest. But it's certainly an interesting take, isn't it? And I don't think it should be that Christians throw common sense to the wind or ignore the advice of the professionals. And it's certainly not the case that the communion cup is some sort of magic. That if we drink the communion cup, it's going to protect us somehow from coronavirus. That just isn't what happens. But it is a determination that in a world gripped by fear of what might be, the church proclaims what is and becomes the non-anxious, non-fearful presence of the peace of Christ in our world. So be careful. And then fourthly and finally, be helpful and prayerful. We must stay in a place of worship, prayer and God's word during these uncertain times. And if hand-washing coughing into a tissue and not touching your face are the three primary ways to protect the body, then worship, prayer and God's word are the three primary ways to protect the soul. Worship keeps our focus on God, not on the situation around us. So do continue to come to our service every week, certainly whilst we are still able to meet. And none of us know how long that's going to continue. It's a good thing to come together to worship God and focus our hearts and minds on Him who brings healing and peace. And then at the same time we are called to pray, standing in the gap between this world and God, calling on Him to bring us peace, calm, healing, health and salvation in these times. And then thirdly, we, ground, we stay grounded and must stay grounded in the word of God. 
which is alive and active, says the writer to the Hebrews, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to the dividing of soul and spirit. You know, there's a, a sad irony in all these calls for self-isolation. Self-isolation is, is a word that we'd never heard of, had we? Three or four weeks ago, I I've never used the word self-isolation in my life until about three weeks ago, and I'm always saying it now. It's just one of those words that's come along. Um, you've only got to go on a bus or a train or go to a crowded public space or go on the tube in London and it's not difficult to perceive that even in crowds of people where people are cheek by jowl there's a lot of loneliness and there's a lot of isolation the idea of people being isolated is not new people are isolated in crowds people are lonely in crowds and perhaps if there's one small crumb of comfort from this situation is that maybe it will make us think more about community about helping one another and maybe we as a church can become a church that fosters community shows compassion and lives out the gospel and I was thinking of ways that we could do that I was actually challenged someone asked us on our, uh, the St Peter's Facebook page last night what is the church doing or is the church doing anything to help those who are self-isolating and those who are going to be um, staying in their homes Muriel was telling me before the service apparently there's talk on the news this morning that they're going to ask everybody over 70 to self-isolate well there's not going to be anybody here on a Sunday is there? <laughs> there's going to be a handful of us at best um, and I thought of a practical way this uh, came to me through social media Sandy found it on social media I've just adapted it made these little cards I've put a stack of them on the table at the back and it says um, hello if you are self-isolating I can help I am part of your local church and we want to help people at this difficult time my name is and then you write your name my phone number is you write that in and then there are some boxes you can tick shopping posting mail picking up a prescription a friendly phone call or something else phone or text me and I'll help for free if I can and the idea is you write your name and your phone number on there and if you've got someone who lives near you in your street who you know lives on their own and they're maybe worried about what is happening at the moment or they're self-isolating you just kind of stick that through the door and maybe nothing will come of it perhaps they've got a, a son or a daughter somewhere who's looking after them that's fine but it's just a way of offering help to those who might need it so if you can use these please do take one or two from the table or a bunch of them from the table um, I'll post them up on the church website so you can download them and, and, and print them out yourself you know they're not there's no magic I just printed these out on the photocopier so you can print them out yourself by all means and let's be Jesus's hands and feet to our community and we also need, of course, to be praying for our community. Our key text today in the epistle, Philippians 4, verse 6, it's on the front page of today's service sheet. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Praying for those around us. Praying for medical professionals and government decision makers. 
We've got hard choices to make. For those who are already isolated and those worried about becoming isolated. For those who have been affected already by coronavirus and their families. And for us and for the church leaders as we plot a course of action over these next few weeks. As we seek to be Christ's people in this fast developing, changing, fluid situation. And to help with that I've prepared a little prayer resource. And again, these are on the table at the back, and again, I'll pop it on the church website. Um, just went on Google and found a bunch of prayers that people had written for the coronavirus. And, um, you know, people, if you want to pray in your own words, that's fine. But if you would find it helpful to have some written down prayers that you can pray this week to pray for those who've been affected, then by all means take one of these after the service. Uh, they're there on the table at the back and use it to pray. So let's close with the Church of England's own prayer for the coronavirus outbreak. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low we may rejoice in your comfort knowing that nothing can separate us from your love in jesus christ our lord amen